that approach of recognising a person and helping them to be everything that they can be in order to deliver for them and for the team and for the organisation. And that growth, that holistic approach of supporting people is incredibly important when it is how we manage change. Welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hey, Gavin here. You love the audio format because you listen to podcasts. I'm a massive fan of learning through audio courses and books. What I particularly like about Knowable is that courses are short form, like a podcast, and expert-led, like an audiobook, with courses on leadership from the commander of the International Space Station and on startups from the co-founder of Reddit. Grab yourself 20% off with coupon code GAVIN, in capital letters G-A-V-I-N, which brings the price down to just over $3 a month. It's a no-brainer. Download the Knowable app or visit knowable.fyi. Use code GAVIN to get 20% off. Hi, welcome back. This is Gavin and it's the Business Mastermind Podcast. Uh, Cheryl, Cheryl Peel is my guest today. And we're going to talk about a subject that's supremely of the moment and critically important and something that as human beings, we're not always that good at coping with. And that's change. And uh, Cheryl has done a lot of work around this and has a model called the Seven Seas of Conscious Change. And equally important, has gone through and come out the other side some pretty traumatic change uh, events in her own world as well. So whilst the model is powerful, the story that underpins it not only gives it real world validity, but it's the story itself is even more powerful. So Cheryl, welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's really exciting to be here. And I think I'm really privileged. I think this is one of your first podcast interviews. It is one of my first. It's quite exciting. I'm really looking forward to this. So um, before we get into a little bit about your backstory, uh, this whole conversation is about your model of seven C's of conscious change. What, what was your inspiration or your prompt, the, the, nudge in the, the nudge in the side to actually pull together your thinking around change that resulted in the seven C's of conscious change? That's an excellent question, and thank you for asking it. There was actually a combination of factors that came into developing that, and it was a combination of my personal and my professional journeys. Up until that point, I have been in the private sector, I've been in the public sector, and I've been in some really large organisations. And early in the 2010s, One of the organisations I was in merged with four others to make essentially a super organisation. And the change around that, the challenges that my team and the people around me experienced was something that really brought to my attention the importance of managing people effectively through this significant change and this cultural change. And that's when I went out and got myself qualified in it. On a more personal level, change is something that we experience all through our lives on many different stages and events. 
in my life, I have built and lost businesses in the global financial crisis due to the GFC and illness. I have um, assisted family members through significant change as well. I had a brother who went into hospital with liquid on his ankles and came out five days later on oxygen 24 seven and who then went through a one-year process of seeing if he could even be suitable for a double lung transplant a double lung transplant wow a lung transplant and I he was unmarried and so was I and so I put my hand up to be his carer through that process and I was working full-time as an executive and driving him four hours to hospital appointments sometimes, he eventually qualified for that double lung transplant. And that meant that at any time of the day or night, there could be a phone call and we would have to get from the city we lived in, Canberra, to Sydney within four hours. Because the donor organs were then become available. And there's only a finite period of time. And as soon as that call happened, it also meant that my life went on hold for 12 weeks. I had to drop and leave. And and, and your corporate employer was understanding and flexible enough for that? They were aware that when in my last promotion in that organisation, they were aware that this was a situation and they wanted me and, and what I brought to the table enough to be flexible around that because he worked for the same organisation. So they okay. actually knew his situation. Oh, okay. And frankly, I had accumulated enough leave and invested enough time and resources into developing my team into a high-performing team through servant leadership and through Mm -hmm. empowering others Mm -hmm. that my team was going to deal very well without me, which is exactly how I developed them to be. But the change surrounding that personally and professionally meant that, yeah, I just left my job for 12 weeks. Wow. And and supported him wholly through that process. And what did that do to your um, sense of identity? It was an amazing wake up call. It it's one of those things that it shows you what your priorities are in life and what is genuinely important to you at that time. And I had a good job. I had a great job, and I was doing well in it. But that is much less important than my brother and his situation. The other thing it it did when it gave me a mental reset was through that 12 weeks, I was at the hospital at least five days a week for hours at a time watching these amazing medical health professionals strive so hard to save people's lives and seeing these other, you know, the people there trying so hard to live or to have a quality of life with dignity. And that solidified my thinking because I realized that I'd been cruising along. I was doing what I was doing. I was doing it quite well, but I wasn't stretching myself. And there was so much more care I could take for myself and for others in that. And so six months after he recovered well, uh, after that 12-week period finished, I decided that now was the time to get healthy. And I dropped 35 kilos and what, over 70-odd 70, 70 pound in less than six months. And it was that combination of factors that made me realise that it was time to take my life by the hand and to look at change and then to start codifying how I approach change 
and that is from a personal and mindset as well as a practical perspective. And that's a significant um, weight loss. And that started with a decision. Was the one moment you looked in the mirror and you said enough is enough? Yeah, I did. I did that while I was in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, and I was, was, I was and then that weight gain happened gradually over time or just due to the worry of caring and gradually over time because yeah. sometimes our focus goes to and my focus went to building that career again as I said yeah. I'd lost businesses in global financial crisis I had to go back to working for someone else and my focus was on learning certifying getting getting ahead and and making that solid ground again building that path so I could create new opportunity. And that's exactly what my focus was on. You mentioned earlier on servant leadership, and that was at the heart of your leadership style with your team that enabled them to perform at a high level while you were were caring for your brother. Um, I just wonder if there's a link between that and the recognition that you need to lose the weight and get healthy so that you could further serve others. Actually, it really was. Because yeah. as part of, as part of that um, that weight loss journey, I was mentoring others in it. So helping helping others to achieve better outcomes is something that I am passionate about at any point. And one of the really important things that I found, and and anyone who practices that kind of leadership style, is that you need to support others. You need that mindset, wellness, that intentional, intentional or conscious. I prefer conscious but intentional is good as well. That approach of recognising a person and helping them to be everything that they can be in order to deliver for them and for the team and for the organisation and that growth, that holistic approach of supporting people is incredibly important when it is how we manage change. You need to consider mindset but you also need to consider the practicality of the project manager background in me, because I was a project manager before I was a change manager, requires a level of how do you do this practically? What does that look like? As well as that mindset change, you need both in order to get the effective outcome. So before we go into the seven C's of conscious change, um, you explained to me already that you developed this model and within a very short period of time after having developed this model, uh, you find yourself in the model being tested and having to apply it very much to yourself. So tell that story. I did indeed. Um, on the So I developed the model in around June, July of 2019. And on the 27th of September, 2019, it was a Friday, I was diagnosed with two different kinds of breast cancer. Wow. And I took it fairly well because I'm a change coach. So well that they said, <laughs> could you please coach coach a group or could you please do a, co- a podcast for us? And I said, let me process and I'll co- get back to you. I probably will. And so I went home and I told the brother who had had the double lung transplant that this was my situation. And I said to him, I am still going to fly out to the UK tomorrow morning on the Saturday morning because I had eight days worth of training and business meetings scheduled in and I said well I can't get in to see a specialist next week so I'll still go to the UK and I'll see the specialist the following week and he said yeah sure that's fine drove me to the airport on the Saturday and I arrive here on the Sunday morning I drive to the presentation or the 
that I went to. It's an event. It, it feels like it's been so long since I've been to an event. But it was <laughs> an event that I went to and I told my story on stage and I thought that's about the bravest and most courageous thing I'm going to be doing for a while. And then on the Monday night, uh, early in the or Monday early in the morning, I get a text from Australia saying, um, is your brother coming to work today? Because I, as I said, we work for the same organisation. And I said, well, I'm in the UK, I don't know. And he didn't come to work. And so a friend who has a key to the house went there and his car was there, his keys were there, his wallet and phone were there and he wasn't. And oh my God. it was quite terrifying to, to learn. So on the Monday afternoon UK time, I, I had both, I had two phones, let me just be clear, an Australian and a UK phone. So clearly my Australian phone was with me all the time. I missed a call on my UK phone and I then got a call on my um, Australian phone and they were saying that they wanted to talk to me about a serious matter. They identified themselves as the Met Police. And oh so goodness. I gave my address and I was panicked. I bet. And so I reached out to some friends, but I called back and after 15 minutes on the phone to the Metropolitan Police, I found out it was a scam. Oh, gosh. And I was told, you know, don't worry about it. But my friends, I'd reached out to two friends um, on the internet on a messenger system. And one of them um, who lives in the north of England, and I was down not far from London at that point, she said he's still missing. So she drove three hours through the storms to get to me. And I was so glad that she did because at quarter past five Tuesday morning, I found out that my brother had died and he had oh actually God. died while I was on the plane flying oh. over to England. Oh, my God. And the ambulance people had come in. They couldn't resuscitate him in the house and they'd just taken him and not left any kind of message. And so oh. that, was, that was my life. I am incredibly grateful because the friend who drove down and the other friend, I said there were two, the very logical friend who had told me to call the Met Police, dropped everything. You know, he's a he's a very successful businessman, very busy, and he just cancelled the rest of his week and he came down and they just held me together and got me through the two days until I get myself on a plane and back to Australia. And I went through burying my brother and going through my own cancer journey um, at that time including recovery and rate, well, radiation post-surgery during the worst bushfires Australia's had in 100 years. I spent New Year's Eve in my house, which is multi-storey because it's on a hill, two levels down in the lounge room because the smoke was too bad to sleep or breathe upstairs, oh listening to fire alarms. So... Change can happen to people, events occur, and there can be nothing that we can do about that. But what we do after that, we have an initial reaction, we have an emotional response, and that is programmed into us, and that is what we do in that instant. But what we consciously choose to respond with after that, that's up to us. And that's where, for me, the seven C's of conscious change was incredibly important because it helped me get through these kinds of challenges in order to get to the outcome and the success that I had in February of last year. And that was 
achieving the goal that I'd set for myself before my diagnosis and before my brother's death. And the goal was? That goal was to get over here before my birthday, which is in February, in order to explore opening an office over here for my business. Fantastic. Then I came over and I was initially supposed to be here for two months and then COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. So so you had like one um, change or one incredibly um, difficult challenge on top of, stacked on top of another. Um, and it was almost as if one would have been enough to deal with, but you had multiple stacked on top. Yeah. We'll just, I'm going to ask the question and I want to weave in the seven C's and I want to, I want to bring them alive by saying, how did the seven C's deal with what must have been, well, I don't think even overwhelming is a strong enough word for the emotional impact and the uh, on on you and also on your ha- mental and physical reserves and health to basically help your body heal. So, um, talk us through the seven C's, and then we're going to want to. I want to unpick how they how the seven C's helped you deal with you know that an amazing set of challenges that you had to deal with. Okay, I am really happy to do that. The first of the seven C's is choose. And that is one of the most important ones because whatever happens, it is, as I said, we might have an initial reaction and it's an emotional and automatic instinctual reaction that we cannot help. And that's fine. But after that that reaction subsides, what you consciously choose to respond with, how you choose to show up, that's up to you. And by that, I mean people live largely, as I'm sure you are aware, at cause or effect. So people either believe that the world happens to them or the world happens for them and you can impact your world. So I made a conscious choice at each stage that I was going to take as much control of the situation as I could, that whether that was being being well looking for multiple surgical consults, making sure that I ate in the best way possible, that I did everything that I could do, that I continued to show up, albeit remotely, for my team during this because, yes, I was still leading my teams just remotely. It's about saying I am taking as much control as possible of this. I acknowledge that. I have no control over the event that occurred, but what I choose to do about that, that's all on me. And I'm going to make sure that I make the best possible choices. Hey, Gavin here. You love the audio format because you listen to podcasts. I'm a massive fan of learning through audio courses and books. What I particularly like about Knowable is that courses are short form, like a podcast, and expert-led, like an audiobook, with courses on leadership from the commander of the International Space Station and on startups from the co-founder of Reddit. Grab yourself 20% off with coupon code GAVIN, in capital letters, G-A-V-I-N, which brings the price down to just over $3 a month. It's a no-brainer. Download the Knowable app or visit knowable.f. YI use code Gavin to get 20% off. How did you have the presence of mind to be able to rationalize that in the moment? Because you, from an emotional point of view, must have been in overwhelm. 
when you go through, there's something called the grief curve, which is the change curve is also based on by Kubler-Ross. Yep. And, and one of the first things you go into is shock and, and denial. What I did in that situation, when I was going through that, that shock, I was also aware that there were things that I had to get done because I was not even in Australia. And so it, it is a conscious choice. One of the things I didn't mention was that um, I have an older brother that my younger brother who died and I hadn't spoken to for 10 years. And I had to make a choice whether or not I was going to inform him and his family at that point, and I did. It's, it is about recognising that there are things that you can do and things that you cannot do, things that you can influence and things that you can't. As I said earlier, my two friends kept me from shattering that day, kept me from falling apart. So I did mourn. I was a mess for a while. But there's only me in order to function, to get through there. They can't walk that journey for me. And whether that's a personal journey or a professional journey, it's your journey. You choose how you drive your car. Are you going to drive the car? You're going to, or are you going to let Elon Musk drive the car? <laughs> I'd prefer to drive my own car and to make those choices. And this, please don't mistake me, this isn't to say that I was Pollyanna, Mary Sunshine and totally on it every day. I wasn't. There were times when I found myself in a fetal position on my kitchen floor bawling my eyes out but I picked myself up. It is entirely, entirely reasonable for everybody to experience human emotions. One of the reasons that I developed the seven C's of conscious change is because I am so tired of strong people who are suddenly stopped by a specific change, who are feeling perhaps overwhelmed or they're looking for support and everybody around them says, oh, you're strong, you'll be fine. It's like, yeah, actually I will, but please allow me to be a human as much as anybody else and experience anger or grief or fear or concern or a feeling of helplessness or overwhelm. It won't last, but I might need a little bit of a hand along that journey. Is and that I what you mean by the second C of communicate then, explaining people the journey that you believe you need to go on? It is. It's, it's one of the really important parts. There's two important parts of communicate. And one of those is your self-talk. Yeah, so true. Yourself. So true. Because I think it was a Stanford study says that a normal person can have up to 16 different voices in their head saying all of these different things, the chatter, the chatter, the chatter. It's what you choose to listen to. It's, it's, it's the, the voice that you choose to focus on. It's that self-talk that says, this too will pass. I can do this. There is a way. You are more than this. You are so much more than this failure, this, if you've lost your job, this redundancy, this illness. I don't normally tell people about my cancer because I don't define myself by the cancer. It is a part of the journey that I've had and it's something that I need to be aware of, but it is not me. 
and this is about your self-talking communication. The other part of communication is, as you say, how you communicate to others. You identify who needs to know whatever it is your change process is and you engage them. If we're talking on a professional level, this is stakeholder identification. Yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is this is this is your race here. This is who has to, who has to be informed. Mm-hmm. Who who it's going to impact. We know how it it goes, but it is your stakeholder identification. The other really important part of communication, though, is that once you communicate something, it becomes real. So you are saying, "I have been diagnosed with cancer," or "My brother has died," or "I have just been fired." But that doesn't define you. You're speaking this as it happens, and then you say, I have, can- I have been diagnosed with cancer and I am going to beat this. I have just been fired and I am going to make my life even better because of it, because there are opportunities out there that I don't even know about yet that I am going to discover. It is that kind of self-talk because... I know it's going to sound woo-woo, but as I identify myself on Clubhouse, I'm an undercover tree-hugging hippie and energy healer as well. (laughs) Where focus goes, energy flows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is about your self-talk. And Olympians will tell you that. Peak achievers will tell you it's so much about your self-talk and your mindset. And the other part is how you communicate that. How do you... How do you share that information with people and who do you share it with? So your knowledge of the emotional journey that you would go through from your awareness through your work of Kubler-Ross's grief curve, when you were at the point of denial and then from denial, it goes to anger and then, you know, that kind of despair at the bottom, Mm Was there almost like one of those 16 voices, the inner coach or the inner project manager that was kind of coaching you through, okay, you're going to move into this stage now? You're going to move into this stage now? I would love to tell you that that's how it works. But being a human, the the journey is unique for every change and for every person. Sometimes, yes, I would have that voice. And sometimes you would have an overwhelming experience of whatever that emotion was. And that's okay. Let, it ex- let yourself experience it and then put it aside. And that's when the project manager comes in. That's when the coach comes in and says, you're experiencing this now. You need to experience it now. It's okay because you're a human. And then move on. Don't wallow. It's the wallowing. And that's where I want to go next, actually. So for anybody that knows the change curve or the Kubler-Ross grief curve, the bottom of the curve is that is, is, is the wallowing, it's the ambivalence, it's the depression, it's the despair. You, you were in presumably an overwhelm with the sequence of things that had happened, emotional overwhelm, probably incredibly physically, mentally and emotionally fatigued. How did you, the danger is you stay there, stuck there, you go into depression. How did you... Move, emerge out the other side. Was- There's, as I said, everybody's journey is different, but how I did it that time was I knew that there was this massive pit of emotion that I could fall into this well. And I acknowledged that. And I also acknowledged that there were so many things that I had to get done 
in, in the month after my brother's death and my diagnosis that simply had to happen. And so I, I don't recommend it for everybody. This is just my experience for that change event. I actually put a massive lid on that well and just kept going. And then when it either overflowed and I found myself in a fetal position on the floor or I had quiet time, I actually would take time out and, and just let myself be a mess for a while. And then I pick myself up and I keep going because there were people in multiple time zones who needed me to be functional. And so I did. It, it's an opportunity cost situation. It doesn't, you, you don't suddenly say, I am going to be a robot and this is all going to go away. And when people have experiences such as mine or such as losing their business or losing their job, we, life still goes on. So we, we still need to show up and do whatever it is that we need to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And yet we are allowed to experience those emotions as well. Wallowing, however, is an entirely unproductive expensive emotions it really is when you consider that even quantum physics now that says that everything is energy and intent that's that's about the last place i want to consciously spend my energy there is way too many things to do on this planet and that's one of the things that i used part of my self-talk to get me through this experience it's like i have way too many things to do i intend to be in the uk in february on my goals. And sure, I didn't meet all of them. I came on over on the wrong visa, but I got over here. It's about what you choose to do afterwards. It is that conscious choice. So stage three of the uh, seven seas of consciousness, conscious change is create. Yes, create. This is where you actually start doing your project planning. So for all the project managers out there, this is where you actually start forming your strategy plan. And if you're not a project manager, and I'm sure many of your listeners may not be, this is where you start deciding what the goal is and how you're going to get there, what the stages are that are involved, what it needs, who it needs. You start to plan. It can be on the back of a napkin. It can be a Gantt chart. It can be pages of beautiful things in project applications. But have a plan start making it. It's really about that. It is about saying, I've chosen to engage in this change process. I've given myself a good talking to. I've told others what this is. And so I've spoken into reality. I've committed to doing this. People know. And then you go in there and you do your research and you figure out how you're going to get to that goal. That's what create is. You create that way forward. And once you've created... Once you've created, you need to commit. And this is an ongoing thing. And this is, this is the mindset part. We can have the best solution on the planet. It can be shiny. It can be a thing of beauty up against a wall. And, oh, my God, I don't know about you, but I've seen some really good solutions on a whiteboard. Yes. Gone, this has cost <laughs> us tens of thousands and isn't it beautiful? And you go, yes, it is art. <laughs> But until you actually commit to doing it, to diving in, to stepping off the ledge, to investing the money, to taking that step, it's all 
pointless. You need to commit. And I can tell you now, whoever's listening, you will need to recommit throughout this process because we all have a journey in our minds. We are all having that struggle to stay focused, to stay positive. One of the most empowering rooms I've been in lately is on this thing called Clubhouse for whoever's listening. And it was full of some incredibly successful people around the world. And one of the moderators asked, so who here still struggles with self-doubt? Who here still has mindset issues? And almost all of them said yes. Well, they were flashing their little lights, which was to say yes. And that was a reminder that it doesn't go away. Right. It's something that we need to recommit to all the time. So that's why commit is so important. So in the context of somebody losing the job, they've had a good career, they've had a good income off the back of it, they've had the status and the fulfillment or, or, or the buzz off that and the respect off that to find that they've lost the job, they might choose to make an empowering meaning of it, communicate to people who are going to do it, they create a plan. They're taking, you know, the commitment thing could, let's say I'm going to start my own business, whether that be self-employed, um, you know, freelance gig economy type thing or set up their own business. Why, where does the strength go, come from to commit when it may feel to them that point, it's great on paper, it's great on a whiteboard, but I haven't got the gas, cash coming in yet. And the doubt, what if, what if, what if. What advice can you give to people to listen about the power of, you know, you use the analogy jumping off the ledge or diving in that commitment? What, what, what's the, where's, where's the, the power, the, the magic, if that's the right word, within the committing? For me, it's one of the greatest fears that, that we continue to have. And it, it's a fear that we encounter throughout our lives. And it's a fear that you won't be good enough. It's the basis of imposter syndrome. And it's, it's one of those fears that we all encounter. It doesn't matter who you are, that am I good enough? I don't know. Um, I'm sure you've ex experienced this, that there are, what is it, 80% of something of executives in Fortune 500 companies yeah. When, yeah. when asked have imposter syndrome. Yeah. It is that reminder, and it goes back to choose, and it goes back to, to recognising and your self-talk, that you are enough, that you are an amazing and unique individual just as you are. And look out world when you decide to show them exactly who you are and everything that you can do and be. And believe me, I recognise, and I've been there, I've been there, I could have, you know, there are times when I could have flown home and given up on starting a new business over here and gone back to something easy. But when you, when you have lost everything, and this is me, this is me talking who lost her businesses in the global financial crisis because they were too, I was too important to the businesses. They couldn't survive without me. That person said, okay, I can't, I can't do this. I'm losing this. I'm losing all everything that's associated with that. What do I do? 
I chose to not give up. I knew that there was going to be a way through because I was going to find it. And it took me in that, in that moment to do something I'd never been before. And I went back into the public service as a secretary. And please, please, secretaries are amazing people. EAs are phenomenal people. They keep organisations running. Oh, they I, keep I, executives I, on the straight and narrow. But I'd never been that before. I'd gone from being a director of two companies to being a PA, but I chose that. And I chose it because I knew that this was my way forward, that there was more out there for me. And I am saying to your listeners, there is more out there for you. And you are a phenomenal human being and you have so much to give. Get out there and do it. Stop hiding that light. Step five, check in. Check in. Yes, we can have the best plan in the world. It can look beautiful on that wall. It can look amazing in that application. But as we all know, life happens. Life can happen all the time. And you might have the best plan and you need to check in. You need to check in with your people. You need to check in with your goals, whatever those stages are to get you to that end result. And if you need to tweak, if you need to modify, do it. But you need to keep your eye on the ball. And that's why checking in is so important. Continue to have that ultimate goal. That ultimate goal might change a little bit because, as we just said, life happens. But check in on the way. So um, the next step um, is complete. Now, for many entrepreneurs business owners of a creative uh, sort of tendency completing can be a can be a, a a tricky one for them you know many projects ideas are left uncomplete but i guess in the purpose of change whether it be corporate change business change uh, personal change the, the, explain the importance of the complete stage completion is incredibly essential because it means that you have started and you have finished. You have gone through the cycle and you have achieved something. And yes, there are always those lessons learned. There's always the, the looking back and saying, well, hindsight's 2020 and what could we have done different? What could I have done better? How could we have gotten an even better outcome than we did? That's brilliant. But that happens after you actually say, this has been delivered. This goal has been achieved. It is completed. That, that finite end to something before you move on. You can iterate. There can be another iteration. Oh, good Lord. We've all been through that. Um, but acknowledge that you went through this process from point A to point B, and you might have got lost along the way. There might have been some detours, and that required you to check in, but you got there, whatever that looked like at the end. And that needs to be acknowledge and signed off on, frankly, because often your contracts will not be paid out in full until they have been signed off, people. Absolutely. So from complete, a stage that's often missed yes. is your final stage. It really is. And the final C is celebrate. And this is something that as entrepreneurs, we often don't do enough of. And that celebrate all of the wins, the small ones and the large ones. Because remember, 
it's cumulative. Our positive self-talk, the way we approach focus and conscious choice and celebrating these wins, they are the things that continue to give you the confidence to know that, yes, you can. Yes, you have. Look, you just did that. That was pretty good. That rocked. Whether it was building a shed in your backyard that was the project, whether it was learning how to make a cake or whether it was successfully entering and exiting a business, a project, it doesn't matter the level. The celebration is important. When you are leading large teams, when you're leading businesses and organisations, that time that you take to bond with your team, to bond with the people around you, to recognise and acknowledge them, not just the hello, and that's, and can I say that's also important, the hello and the thank you and the please, but to acknowledge that they did a great job, their efforts, those are the things that get buy-in, those are the things that get commitment. And on a personal level, that is the thing that will continue to keep at bay that fear that you're not enough, that fear that you'll fail, that fear that somebody's going to find out that you're not all that and the bag of chips. So celebrate. Uh, uh, it's so important and at the times when you go into a, a new cycle when there might be doubt and you have to commit the fuel of certainty the fuel of courage to commit comes from celebrate it does it does yeah. every day and it's the same principle as the oh and I, I cannot remember the name of the person who did it to to acknowledge them but it's that that same principle of making your bed in the morning, that win. Oh, yeah. yes, yes, yes. The uh, uh, US uh, Navy SEAL general, yes, yes. Yes, yes. It is, it's that cumulative effect of small wins yeah. that you do and that you celebrate and you acknowledge. Did that, win. Did that, win. My team did that, win. Mm. It is that accumulation. It is so important because we get so wrapped up as i said as entrepreneurs in the what's the next thing we have to get done what's the next project must do that stop and celebrate the wins celebrate what you and your team or your business has achieved and let them bask in that as well because if it makes you feel good it's certainly going to make them feel good so seven uh, steps of conscious change seven c's of constant conscious change choose communicate create commit, check in, complete, and celebrate. Um, you said that secretly, or not so secretly, you are a tree-hugging hippie that loves the spiritual and the energy stuff. So what's the energetic thread through this? As I mentioned earlier, well, quantum physics now agrees with what shamanic and healing cultures have said for eons and that everything's energy everything is energy and intent and that's why the first the first c is so important and that's why we have choose you need to choose because as we both agreed where focus goes energy flows so you choose to get up every day and be the best version of yourself that you are that day and that may not be as stellar as you were yesterday, and it may be five times better than you are tomorrow, but choose to be the best person. Choose to engage. Choose 
to commit. And those are the things. And then choose to celebrate at the end because it's, it's those reward emotions. It is that acknowledgement of, of what you have done because you chose to do it and you committed to it, you and your team. That creates that positive outcome and that will continue, as you say, the cycle of success. I was, um, uh, I was going to say the three that jumped out to me in the, uh, in the process were uh, symmetrically start, middle and end. And I didn't want to diminish your model by saying that the three that stood out to me would choose, create, choose, commit and celebrate. But you've just said the same thing, choose, commit and celebrate. And given the power of three um, is, you know, those really jump out. Every stage is critical, but the ones that really, for people to remember, you know, three, choose, commit, celebrate is so, so powerful. Um, the stories around this model are not only don't have depth but the heartwarming they're inspirational the tear jerking they're just gritty and real there's a podcast in this you've got to you could have you've got to do this cheryl whether it's stories around love and grief and work projects and business failures and oh there's just it could be it, it could be such a riveting it will be such a riveting series it it will be, and thank you for that. Uh, you were you were actually on the stage in in the clubhouse room that I was in, where I was vigorously reminded again that I should do a podcast, and I have, and I will. It actually has a name now. It's going to be called Challenging Change, Love that. and I will be launching it. Here am I committing. I am communicating. I'm choosing to do it. I'm communicating that. I am committed to it occurring before the end of February. Awesome. I want to, you know, round of applause there, Cheryl. Um, I just think um, you're a beautiful soul and have such wisdom. And the the model, yes, it's it 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 it's works and it you know, those all steps are all relevant but i'm struggling for words because the power of it is the way that you deliver it with the authenticity and the message through who you are and the stories that you you share and the experiences that you've had and i i personally believe that some of the most heart-wrenching and the toughest challenges that we have in our lives we were meant to go th- uh, through those so that we could help and guide others and some of the clients I've attracted that have gone on to be the best and longest standing, not only clients, but friends have been when I've been able to relate them at a really deep human level, because I've experienced the change before they had had. And, you know, whether that's marriage breakup, whether that's challenges around the business or whatever it might be health. And, and, and the, the bonds there are just so richer. And I think your podcast challenging change love that title is going to create a big impact across the globe cheryl you've had a big impact on me this afternoon thank you so much for coming on to the business mastermind podcast thank you so much it has been lovely spending time with you this afternoon i've really enjoyed it you've been listening to the business mastermind podcast be sure to subscribe rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success, and create more impact.